and welcome to 90s Lessons from the Frontline podcast. If you're not familiar with 90, we specialize in insurance innovation and taking your insurance ideas to market in 60 days and building best practice innovation capabilities for insurers in 12 months. The industry recently voted us as Consultancy of the Year and we get to work with insurers like Allianz, AXA, Travelers, Aetna and Swiss Re across the US, the UK and Europe. What we're doing in this podcast series is to let you hear from some of our insurance innovation consultants and to ask them to share their experiences at the front line of insurance innovation projects at 90. So welcome, I'm Dan Webster. I'm one of the innovation consultants at 90 and I have here with me Nick Reed, who's one of our engagement leads. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Dan. Great Thanks. to be a part of the podcast. <laughs> Good to have you. Would you mind uh, giving an introduction to yourself, Nick, a uh, bit of some of your background maybe and um, what your role is at 90? Yeah, of course. So thanks again, Dan. So my name is uh, Nick. I'm an engagement lead at 90, which means that I uh, lead on projects. So um, projects can be all kinds of different stuff, but I'm, I'm out there um, delivering and, and pushing those, those projects forward. So in terms of my background, um, so I've worked in insurance for about 15 years. Um, I've got a specialty in personal lines um, and general liability, specifically in claims. Um, and I've been at 90 for about a year-ish, um, having spent the last four or five working specifically in strategy um, and innovation for a large personal lines broker in the UK. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's kind of my, my background and, and my specialty. Um, the reason why I, I came to 90, um, not only to work on lots of really interesting and different projects, but also being a social enterprise, um, those of you that work in insurance will know it's not always the, uh, the most, uh, I don't know, ethically <laughs> positioned uh, industry to work in. So I think it uh, gives you a chance to do something really good as well. Great. Thank you, Nick. And uh, thanks again for offering to share some thoughts with us today. So just to kick off this, um, this conversation, I'm wondering um, what would be a recent insurance innovation project that you worked on at 90 that, um, that would be good as a, as a starting point to talk about? Um, so I've worked on a few over the last uh, year, um, some small, some big, but I think it's probably worth me talking a bit about um, the Generali project that I've been working on. Um, that's taken up a significant amount of my time uh, um, and, you know, it's been a, you know, it's the reason why I joined 90. It's a really big, interesting, sometimes scary, but awesome project, I think. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the one. Cool. Um could you give us a bit of detail on what like what was the brief of this project when you picked it up what were you guys trying to achieve yeah definitely so um it was a it was a really broad brief actually it was about setting up um an effective innovation program for generali's global business mm -hmm. so um, most people hopefully will be um aware of, of generali but they're a big um insurer that deal with personal lines and life insurance as well as things like investments and wealth management um, based in Milan um, but they operate across 59 different countries they've got 77 ish thousand staff I think plus 150,000 agents so it was a really huge challenge to approach this big global business um, who have you know in the region of 250,000 people working in and out of their business across 59 separate countries to try and set up a, an innovation program so that was the sort of brief very broad um, but make something that would effectively start to distribute that innovation throughout their global business. Huh. And um, and what was your specific role within this project, Nick? Um, so I was I was leading the project, same as uh, on, on most projects. So um, 
I was to um, try, try and work out this challenge, try and lead from um, a 90 point of view, how we would go about setting up and creating this um, effective um, innovation uh, unit or program or division or function or whatever it was that we were going to develop. Um, we were working really closely with a team from um, the Generali head office, the group head office based in Milan. Um, and for me, it was really about corralling the 90 team and also the Generali team to um, start and then deliver um, something that, that would um, align with that broad brief that would start to effectively deliver innovation across the business. Hmm. Okay, so setting up a global innovation function and taking a brief from that. So obviously, huge brief there, so many multiple directions that you could end up starting in. Um, what kind of, what were the first steps of, of from receiving this brief to starting work? What, what were the first points which you started attacking here? So we had a, a broad plan. So we kind of said, right, so we've, we've, we said that within three or four months, I think we started this um, early September in 2019 and we wanted to finish it by about Christmas or at least the first phase um, of the project anyway. And uh -huh. the idea was within that three or four months to get a view of and a sort of initial proposal for what we imagined that this um, innovation uh, function might look like. Um, so we, we put together a plan, but really the first thing that we wanted to do um, was go out and speak to some of the people involved in innovation across the business. Um, so we started off with a, a, a very broad immersion exercise, um, going and speaking to, I'm going to say it's about 40, somewhere in the region of 40 um, leaders from uh, across Generali. And I think we ended up speaking to people in, it was at least a dozen countries um, at different levels, some sort of, you know, C-suite execs, some innovation uh, department leaders, some practitioners, just to sort of take the pulse of what's going on at the moment. I think um, it's very easy for a consultancy to come in and sort of say, well, we know the best way to go about something without taking into account that, you know, with a business like Generali operating in so many different countries, there's already innovation happening. So it's good for us to go out there and start to speak to people to kind of take the pulse of what's happening, what's good, what's bad, um, and what do we think the right way to kind of converge on existing capability and build new capability would be. Hmm. So in this um, kind of listening and playback exercise at the beginning, um, when you're talking to the, the different um, generali groups at a, a national level, did you come across, I don't know whether I'd, ex I'd expect to have a very common opinion come out from all the different um, countries that you were working in or whether there was a large diversion between them. I wonder if you could speak a bit to that. So, yeah. Um, so there were some things that they were absolutely aligned on. So there was some stuff that was like the same, regardless of who you spoke to. They all said that um, innovation tends to be done off the side of a desk. Uh -huh. And to get it right, you need to make sure you've got dedicated resources, both in terms of people and funds, and that they're really scarce. Um, the other part that came out that was almost you know, consensus view, regardless of who we spoke to, was that innovation is actually really important. And even when we spoke to people who you wouldn't imagine you know, innovation would be top of their list. So we spoke to guys in, you know, strategy and um, finance and, and people like that. They all had a, you know, there was a consensus view that if you don't innovate, um, you're unlikely to be able to continue to um, maintain your place amongst the, the kind of top tier of insurers um, in, you know, whether it's in Europe or, or, or globally. Um, 
in terms of um, specifics around innovation, so what people thought they should be innovating and how they should be doing it, there was a huge amount of divergence. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that, um, you know, particularly in some of the more developed European countries, so places like Germany and Italy and Spain and France, we found there was a heavy reliance or sort of look a uh, focus towards using startups um, and sort of, uh, you know, relying on the fact that there are lots of businesses out there that are doing great stuff um, and sort of gravitating towards um, that sort of sphere of innovation. Um, some of the less developed markets were more interested in some of the sort of basic principles of innovation. So, you know, how do we use design thinking? Um, how do we work in, in a more agile way? So, um, yeah, I, I would say definitely consensus on importance and the fact that you need to have dedicated resource, but often people don't. But in terms of the, the what and the how people are doing it, um, currently there's a huge amount of divergence. Hmm. Um, so uh, do you think that the divergence was down to the different um, definitions of innovation and different people that they had working on that at each of these countries at a department level? Or was it more that they had figured out individually what effective innovation meant for them and we're just going along with that yes yeah, so i think um it was really indicative of the challenge that we had so um generally is a, is a decentralized business so despite the fact there is a group head office and a sort of center um each individual business unit so of those 59 countries there'll be multiple business units within um all of the of those have kind of got their own mandates going um you know deliver on their business plans however however they want um, and as a result, their approaches to innovation will be as different as, you know, if you asked 50 people to go off and, and develop an innovation strategy on their own. Um, so, yeah, so I think it was, you know, indicative more of Generali's business model um, and people choosing what was the right thing to do for those individual countries. So sort of referring back a minute ago, you know, some people prefer to use startups, other people would sort of innovate in-house and, um, you know, think of ways that they could um, use their own capabilities to innovate. A lot of the time that was indicative of the, um, you know the maturity of their business, the the ecosystem that surrounded them within that local country. Um, for for you know dealing with a country like Switzerland, um, they had really good links to lots of um, innovative global businesses, accelerators, and tech companies because they're all situated on the same uh, industrial estate. Um, if you're speaking to a country like Vietnam or Brazil, where maybe they're less um, mature when it comes to, to to tech and innovation they tend to do more stuff sort of off their own back and, and themselves. Hmm. And on that, did you, did you have any problems of convincing people that there was a need and there would be a benefit to having a group level innovation function and not that it's actually better to just keep this decentralized? Sorry, can you say that again? What did you say? Um, did you come across having any problems having to convince people that there is a need to have a centralized group innovation function when these countries are already getting on it in a decentralized fashion at the moment? So this is, so, and again, I think this kind of talks to the delicate operation that, um, that we had to um, undertake here. So generally are fiercely protective and proud of the fact that they're a decentralized business. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the group center and the business units were as keen to ensure that whatever was produced wasn't a top-down view of here's how you innovate, but something that sort of augmented existing innovation processes and functions in country. Um, so what we were looking to develop was something that accelerated capability 
and provided additional capability and resources, but didn't necessarily supersede stuff that was already going on in country. So a good example would be there again, coming back to, to generally Switzerland, um, a country that's very mature when it comes to um, innovation capability. Um, they set up something called the garage um, in uh, out of their Zurich office, which is um, a dedicated innovation function that works specifically with um, startups and accelerates um, relationships between. Sorry, my well, pen just went off there. Um, accelerates relationships between um, generally and startups. Um, what we didn't want to do was come in and say, right, you know, all this great work that you've been doing for the last five years, get rid of it because we know the way that innovation works. Yeah. It was more to say, can we produce something from the group center that leverages the great stuff that you do right. and then shares that with the rest of the group or where there are gaps in your capability, we can fill that with stuff that the group will provide, not just capability, also resources. So, um, you know, it, it w wasn't really about saying what we're going to design supersedes anything else. It's about saying what we're going to design from the center respects the decentralized nature of your business and provides you with additional resources and capability to either make the most of what you're currently doing or to fill the gaps where they exist. Okay. That sounds like a really delicate, but really important, almost political landscape to be navigating to ensuring that you can bring everyone along with you during this process. So I would say that, um, Politically, <laughs> um, it was, you know, this was a difficult project, mm. but um, the work that we did early on, speaking to some of these leaders, um, you know, speaking to a number, 40 odd uh, leaders across the group, um, allowed us to ensure that um, it wasn't like, again, a, a consultancy coming and stomping all over their business model and saying, here's the way that you need to do things. Um, listening and understanding existing capabilities and attitudes and approaches was almost more important than the expertise that we were bringing to the project. Um, because, you know, we're, we're bringing our expertise, but ensuring that what we produced for Generali fit with the entire global landscape of their business and would be well received was the most important thing. I think, you know, we started to realize that early when we went through the immersion phase and start to understand, okay, what's going on? What's the attitude towards innovation? How do you do it? Um, you know, what are you innovating and, and, and what's missing? Um, we were able to start to build those good relationships and, and um, as those leaders started opening up and talking to, their, talking to us and as we continued to engage them through the project, hmm. not only were we able to deliver something that was sympathetic to um, you know, the, the really diverse landscape that, that exists across the Generali group, but also something that it felt like the leaders that we were working with had helped us build. So politically, it was a, it was a challenge, but something that we were really acutely aware of as, as we went through the process. Hmm. And I think that in itself is a really interesting and, and important application of an innovation mindset as well. Just design thinking 101, right? Starting off by listening to the people that you're building something for, understanding their pains, gains, motivations, and where and if they would use the thing that you're, you're planning on building, and then using that to inform your, your later decisions. Exactly that. And again, I think... Um, we arrived without any preconceptions about what it was that we should be developing. I think one of the things that we did when we came to Generali was almost provide them with a menu of... You know, we're looking to develop an innovation ecosystem for you and here are some of the things that we might want to mm. potentially consider including within that ecosystem. 
But the first thing we need to do is understand the capabilities at Generali. So where are there already good things happening that we can build into a broader ecosystem, share with the rest of the group? And where are there opportunities to be better? So where are there capabilities that are missing, we believe, after speaking to your leadership team and after speaking to innovators across the group, it would be something that would be useful and would um, augment the existing innovation capability that exists at Generali. And that's, ex that's exactly right. I think, um, you know, we, we didn't come with anything sort of preconceived. We weren't trying to fit a square peg into a, a, yeah. a round hole here. We were, we were coming with, um, you know, um, thoughts and expertise and possibilities. But ultimately, the, the way that we developed um, what we've developed for Generali was purely based on the feedback that we've received from, uh, you know, people across the group. So, yeah, absolutely. Design thinking 101 is a good way to, to describe it. Nice. So from this um, information gathering exercise, how did you, like, how, how did this information then translate into the deliverables over the, the next months after that? And what were some of the milestones of, of the achievement that you were aiming for throughout? So, um, like I say, because we were building a, an ecosystem or, or a, uh, you know, a, a function or a, a capability for, for Generali, um, the way that we approached it was the way that um, you know, my background working in strategy, we, we would approach a traditional strategy project. So understanding, like I say, the capabilities and opportunities um, that existed allowed us to start to pick out some key headlines of, of things that we really wanted to achieve um, with this ecosystem that we were building. And then we moved on to building out a more traditional innovation strategy, starting to look at things like what do we want to achieve at Generali with um, innovation? How do we think that would manifest itself in the short term? And then what did we think some of the key actions that we needed to take in the short term would be to enable us to deliver on our short-term vision and ultimately um, our long-term mission as well? Um, so, yeah, so um, that was a, a relatively complex um, and quite difficult process, which called upon us to make some you know some priority calls which again we engaged with a, a broad team of people at generali to help us guide our decisions um but yeah ultimately it was a, a case of moving from blank sheet of paper to understanding capabilities and opportunities to then starting to strategize and say right what does this mean what can we hope to achieve um in the long term and then how does that sort of level down to some short-term ambitions and goals and activities um, hmm. that, that we want to achieve and, and that really like i say that put us into the point that we ended up at um towards the end of of last year where we'd we'd picked out some of those um key initiatives if you like and started to to not just communicate those with the, with the most senior management but also start to deliver on those as well hmm. great so so where are you at at the moment on this project what, what's what's going on right now and what's been um yeah, what's been achieved over the past few months and where are you at with it now? Um, so I know, you know, I always like to bang the drum about being great. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we've, we've really achieved some great stuff on this, on this project with, with Generali. And I think um, one of the, the key outputs or one of the key actions that we, we wanted to take was around um, providing additional resources or fuel for, for good innovation ideas that happen across the group. Like, like I was saying, you know, what we found was there's really good, good pockets of innovation happening or, and certainly lots of keen people at Generali who want, want to innovate, but like I say, almost, you know, to a man um, or woman. What we found through the, the, the first or the immersion phase was that 
um, despite you know an attitude that innovation was really important, resources were often scarce. So we decided to launch um, a fund um, that would enable people across the group to apply for and obtain co-funding for innovative ideas. Um, we launched that in January, um, which was kind of part of the second phase of our, of our work with Generali, um, with a, a first funding round that closed in um, mid, or sorry, it was the end of February. So it was open for about six weeks. Um, and across that time, um, we had um, over 50 submissions into the fund um, from 18 different countries um, and requests for co-funding exceeding 12 million euros, which was, you know, a huge vindication of the fact that um you know people are out there they want additional resources to, to go and fund their their ideas and their initiatives um we actually um following a, a an innovation fund board meeting which is a function that we also set up um we agreed to co-fund 20 of those ideas um to the tune of, of a million euros which is wow. um you know a, a great success for, for generally you know injecting real um money and uh, resources into innovative um, ideas across four separate continents um, and you know that's a, a fantastic output for us um, in terms of some uh, other sort of outputs that we're working on um, we're just in the process of establishing a community of experts at generally so that's a, a group of innovation practitioners um, from across the group to allow them to come together and share good practice and stories and experiences and resources um, to start to build some of those, join up those dots and, and increase that level of connectivity across the group. Um, we're also in the process of establishing a partnerships model to allow Generali to partner more effectively with startups and, and other um, innovation partners, whether they're uh, academia or consortia or, or uh, big tech firms. Um, and finally, we're also working on developing a site methodology um, for Generali where they can go and, and sort of deploy that group uh, innovation can take this um, you know methodology and again fill in the gaps where they don't currently have it so it might be that a particular business unit is great at design thinking but not so great at um, building pilots or, or building products to pilot um, our methodology would enable them to sort of plug that in and, and um, bridge the gap in some of their capability and obviously that leads through to lots of other things like training and um, all kinds of other bits and pieces so yeah Lots happening, lots coming out of the back of, of what we've done. Man, I'm sure we could do like a two-hour podcast on this or, or feature-length film. We could, yeah. <laughs> we could, we could. It's a long one, isn't it? But I say, that's what she said. Anyway. <laughs> Great to fit that in there. Yeah, that's why I have to, get, have to do it. So, uh, yeah, there you go. So, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's loads of questions that I could have wanted to, to, to ask on. So with the, the Innovation Fund, how you managed to, to prompt ideas, how you would decide where you would allocate funds and maybe what were some of the themes of ideas that you're looking for but I, I think in terms of what we've got time for there's maybe two questions that I'd like to, to finish on Nick so one is um, what would come to mind as one like big personal learning that you would have taken away from this project yourself and then the second one considering that we've we'll have some um, insurance innovators and practitioners hopefully listening to this um, any tips or tricks or advice for people that are trying to do perhaps a similar thing, maybe on the topic of navigating a complex political landscape or getting people on board and bringing them along with a project? Um, so could you, sorry, could you repeat the first question again? So I missed <laughs> that. You said, was, there, was it a personal Your one learning? big learning, yeah. And then any tips? Okay. Um, so 
I learned a lot on this project, as you can probably imagine. Um, so there are a few. So I think the first thing that I learned is that um, culture it can be dramatically different oh, yeah. um, working across international borders. Hmm. Uh, and that, you know, what's, what's right for, for one group of people probably isn't right for another. Um, and sometimes being an innovator, assimilating into a different culture is, is the, the sort of the most difficult thing over and above um, talking about innovation or helping people to, to innovate or become more, more innovative. Um, so I, I would say, you know, that was a huge um, learning for me, the, the sort of cultural importance or the importance of understanding and being sensitive to um, different cultures. And like I say, I'm not just talking about the difference between working with somebody in Switzerland and somebody in Vietnam, but actually, you know, the way that their businesses are, are set up, the things that they want to achieve, yeah. um, the way they work, um, you know, that was a huge learning curve for me. And I think, um, you know, one that I will definitely take into, into future projects. And I also think that that kind of touches on some of the, the political stuff as well, which is um, understanding that culture. And then particularly when you're, you're dealing with different types of leaders at the, in different positions, um, being able to understand and navigate that and buy time or buy goodwill um, through some of those sort of political moves and, and navigations um, is hugely important for a project of this size. Um, mm. When you're talking about something that's so enormous and so complex, um, understanding uh, you know the the people to talk to and, and knowing how to to bring them on board with you as you move through the journey was just enormously important. Hmm. And tips or tricks for people who might perhaps be embarking on a similar problem or facing similar projects. Um, what I would say is um, don't think that you have all the answers. So regardless of the fact that you might be you know the most grizzled innovation expert in the world, <laughs> you might have worked in insurance for for fifty years. Um, your business or your um, view of the world will be different to um, the client that you're working with. Mm. So I think, you know, taking the time and again, sort of touching back on the point you said a few moments ago about, you know, listening being hugely important um, and that process doesn't stop. I think, um, you know, we certainly spent a long time listening at the beginning of this project, but the importance of continually listening to the client as we move through um, was, you know, the reason why we've had the success that we've had um, with, with working with um, generally. The other thing I think that was really important or an, another tip um, for me is that it's important as um, innovators and as consultants that you push the client sometimes. Um, you know, particularly the fact we're working in innovation, we always want to make sure that we give people a little bit of a, a shake. There can be a, a fine line though between pushing clients and terrifying clients. Um, and, I th and I think understanding where that line is um, sometimes it's really important. And I think, you know, there were times through the project where maybe we didn't push them enough. And there were times through the project where it was really clear we were pushing them too much. Um, so I think, you know, being sensitive to um, not absolutely, you know, terrifying the life out of the people that you're, you're working with um, is really important. And I think my final tip would be um, innovation is um, about creativity and it's about, um, you know, exploring different ways to do things none of that should replace a good, robust, repeatable, um, solid process yes. that sits behind it. And I think, um, you know, we as innovators bring the creativity, 
but we should also ensure that when we're working with a client, we bring a process that makes sense, that's um, transparent, that they can understand and that underpins our creativity and, and you know, um, exciting innovative nature so yeah i would say you know the the um despite the fact that we are um you know we're, we're delivering on creativity and excitement that shouldn't be in place of um you know good solid repeatable processes nice brilliant some very wise words thank you nick I think, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on uh, this episode at the moment. But thank you very much for joining me and sharing your, your thoughts on this. Thanks. You're welcome, Dan. Cool. Thank you, Nick. Um, uh, for more specialist insurance innovation content, tools and events, um, make sure to visit 90.com or get in touch with us at marketing at 90.com. Um, and thank you for joining us today. See you on the next one. Mm -hmm.